ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله So to continue now we have the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha anna rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal man asabahu qay'un man asabahu qay'un aw ru'afun aw qalas aw madhi fal yansarif wal yatawadda thumma liyabni ala salatih wa huwa fi dhalika la yatakallam akhrajahu ibn majah wa dha'afahu ahmad wa ghayruh in this hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, whoever is overcome or afflicted with vomit or a nosebleed or qalas. Qalas is a type of fluid that comes out of a person just before vomiting. It's a type of vomit basically. It's a light type of vomit. Or madhi. Madhi is the clear... Uh, liquid which exits from a person uh, due to intimate contact or foreplay. So if any of these things exit from a person or any of these things, uh, a person is afflicted by them, فَلْيَنْصَرِفْ وَلْيَتَوَضَّعْ Then he is to leave and go and make wudu. ثُمَّ يَبْنِي عَلَى صَلَاتِهِ Then he comes back and continues his prayer. وَهُوَ فِي ذَلِكَ لَا يَتَكَلَّمُ And in between that he's not allowed to speak. So the meaning of this hadith then, if a person is afflicted by vomit, and that is what comes out of a person from his stomach through the mouth, or ru'af, and that is the blood which exits from a person from his nose due to whatever factors may cause that nosebleed, or qalas, qalas is the type of liquid or water which exits from the mouth just before vomit. Or it is a type of light vomit in of itself. And madhi, which is the very light type of liquid, very thin type of liquid which exits from a person due to foreplay and desire. Then if these things exit from a person, then he is to leave the prayer, break his prayer wherever he is in. If that happens to him during the prayer, break it there and then and leave and go and make wudu. If one of these things comes out of him whilst he's praying, either vomit or a nosebleed or the type of liquid or water which comes out just before vomit, a type of light vomiting or the madhi, that type of liquid that exits from the private parts, the frontal private parts of an individual due to desire, then he is to leave his prayer and go and make wudu. Meaning therefore that his wudu breaks with these things. That's what the hadith seems to indicate. That these things, they break the wudu of a person, they nullify the wudu of a person. So he must go immediately, leave his prayer in the middle of it, and go and make the wudu. Then he comes back, ثُمَّ yabni ala salatihi. Then he comes back and he continues his prayer from where he left off. That's what the hadith indicates. We'll come to the full explanation in a moment. The hadith indicates that he comes back and he carries on where he left off. So for example, if he had just finished his second raka'ah and then this happened, he goes, breaks the prayer, goes, makes wudu again, comes back and carries on from the third raka'ah. 
carries on from where he left off. وَهُوَ فِي ذَلِكَ لَا يَتَكَلِّمُ And the hadith also says that in between that, from the time when his wudu breaks because of one of these things exiting from his body, to when he goes and makes wudu until he returns and carries on, in between all of that, he's not allowed to speak. That is the condition for him to be able to come back and continue his prayer from where he left off. That's what the hadith indicates. Then to look at the issues of it in some more detail. Firstly, there is the mentioning of the madhi. The madhi is a type of liquid that exits the soft or the light, uh, thin liquid that exits from a person due to desire. That is something that nullifies the wudu of a person and there's no doubt about that. There is no difference in reality with regards to this liquid exiting from the frontal body part, private body parts of a person due to desire, that that breaks the wudu. That is something that is agreed upon and there is no issue in that breaking the wudu. That nullifies the wudu. Must go and repeat the wudu if that liquid exits from the frontal private region. Secondly, Vomit or the light vomit and the nosebleeds. All of these break or nullify the wudu as the hadith indicates. All of these they the hadith indicates that they nullify the wudu even though they are not exiting from the two private parts, the frontal and the back private parts. They are not exiting from those two exits. These are exiting from the nose and the mouth, the vomit, the light vomit and the nosebleed. But all of these things exiting from the mouth and the nose, they also break or nullify the wudu as the hadith indicates. And they are all impure. So the Shaykh says, فَالْقَيْءْ نَجِسْ Vomit is something which is najis. لِأَنَّهُ خَارِجٌ مِنَ الْمَعِدَ بَعْدَ أَنْ تَخَمَّرَ فِي الْمَعِدَ وَتَغَيَّرَ Because that vomit is something which comes out of the stomach. After it has been digested in the stomach and all the liquids have gone into it and the other chemicals have gone onto it and all that mixing has occurred in the stomach, then it comes out afterwards. After all of that process. So this is now considered to be Impure. وَكَذَلِكَ الْقَلَسِ Qalas also, which is a type of vomit. And also here it's mentioned the blood. So all of these, they nullify the wudu, even though they have not exited from the two private parts. فَالْحَدِيثِ يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهَا تَنْقُدُ But the hadith indicates that these affairs, they nullify and they break your wudu. وَقَدْ ذَهَبَ إِلَىٰ هَذَا أَحْمَدُ وَجَمَاعَ إِلَىٰ أَنَّ الْخَارِجَ النَّجِسَ الْكَثِيرِ يَنْقُضُ الْوُضُوءُ وَلَوْ لَمْ يَخْرُجْ مِنَ السَّبِيلَيْنِ And some of the scholars, like Imam Ahmed, and a group of other scholars have taken this opinion that if something impure exits from your body, even if it is not from the two private parts, the frontal and the back, if something impure exits, even if it isn't from those two private parts, from other parts of your body, and it is impure, and it is a lot, then they say you can still break your wudu. If it is impure, and it is a lot, and it exits from your body, even if it isn't from the two private parts, then it breaks your wudu. That's what some of the scholars, the opinion that they took. However, 
ذهب الشافعية والمالكية إلى أنه لا ينقض الوضوء. Some of the scholars like the school of thought of the Shafi'is and the Malikis. They took the opinion that this does not break your wudu. It does not nullify your wudu. I.e. the things that exit from a person from other than his two private parts, the frontal and the back. The things like this blood or this vomit which exit from a person from other than his private parts. This is from the mouth and the nose. They say it doesn't break your wudu. Even if it was vomit or it was the light vomit or it is the nosebleed or it is other types of blood then they say this does not nullify the wudu it does not break the wudu and as shaykh salih al-fawzan hafizahullah ta'ala says was sahih ma qalahu shafi'iyatu wal malikiyya and the correct opinion the correct stance is what the malikis and the shafi'i said that these items if they exit from other than the two private regions then they do not nullify the wudu الحديث, so this hadith actually the shaykh says this hadith fadlan an annahu da'if let alone the fact that it is actually weak the hadith that we just mentioned the shaykh says it is actually weak anyway but let alone the fact that it is actually weak لا يحتج به it is not taken as an evidence يخالف ما كان عليه الصحابة رضي الله عنهم because it opposes that which the companions used to do. The companions, فَقَدْ كَانَتْ تُصِيبُهُمُ الْجَرَاحَاتِ They used to be injured, the companions. They used to have injuries upon their bodies. وَتَنْزِفُ مِنْهُ And blood used to be pouring out of those injuries from the companions. وَلَمْ يُعْرَفْ عَنْهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يَتَوَضَّعُونَ مِنْ أَجْلِ ذَلِكَ And it is not known from them at all that they used to go and make wudu because of these injuries and this blood coming out from them. وَقَدْ جُرِحَ عُمَرِ بْنِ الْخَطَّابِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَهُوَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ And it is mentioned that Umar ibn al-Khattab رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ He was injured, he was wounded whilst he was praying. وَسَالَتْ مِنْهُ الدِّمَاءِ And the blood was flowing out of him. وَلَمْ يَنْصَرِفْ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ But he did not go, he did not leave his prayer. He didn't break his prayer and go. بَلْ أَتَمَّهَا جَمَاعَةً مَعَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Rather he completed it. In the congregation with the believers. Because he was the one left to pray with them. So if the exiting of blood, if you are wounded and you are injured and the blood is coming out of you, if that was something that breaks your wudu, then Umar ibn al-Khattab would have left the prayer and gone. To make the wudu again, but he did not. He would he would have left and not completed his prayer, but he did not. He stayed and he carried on and he completed his prayer, indicating therefore that the exiting of blood does not nullify the wudu. Wahakada if it is not from the private parts. Wahakada kana halu sahaba radiallahu anhum kana to seebuhum al jarahat, watanzifum in hum dima, walam yukar anhum bi anhum kanu yetawadauna minha. Uh, and this is how the companions were, that it is narrated. It is narrated that they used to be wounded and they used to be injured and the blood used to be coming out of them. And it is not narrated at all that they used to break their prayers and go and make the wudu again. None of that is narrated. وَقَدْ رُوِيَ عَنِ بْنِ عَمَرْ 
أنه كان يعسر البفرة and then it's also narrated about how they used to if they had uh, like a, a scab or some injury that the blood would also come out of that and this would not be a cause for them to have to stop their prayer and to go and make the wudu again so all of these different narrations they indicate that the exiting of the blood uh, from other than the private areas from injuries on the arms and the legs the nosebleed these types of things do not nullify the wudu and a person continues in his prayer also the hadith says ala salatihi. this hadith also says in accordance to the hadith it says that if these things exit from a person the vomit and the nosebleed etc he has to go leave the prayer go make wudu and come back when he comes back the hadith says as long as he hasn't spoken and uh, talked to anyone then when he comes back he continues his prayer from where he left off ala salatihi. The hadith indicates يُفِيدُ بِظَاهِرِهِ أَنَّ الْإِنسَانَ إِذَا انْتَقَضَ وُضُوءُهُ وَهُوَ فِي الصَّلَاءِ بِأَنَّهُ يَنْصَرِفْ وَهَذَا لَا إِشْكَالَ فِيهِ The hadith indicates that if a person is wudu breaks, he is supposed to leave the prayer and go. That's no problem, that's correct. If your wudu genuinely breaks, you leave the prayer and you go and renew the wudu. وَعَلَيْهِ إِجْمَاعُ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ That is something that the people of knowledge are agreed upon. If your wudu breaks, then you stop your prayer and you go to renew your wudu. But this hadith indicates that when you come back, you continue from where you left off. ثُمَّ الْيَبْنِي يَعْنِي يَبْنِي عَلَى مَا بَقِيَ مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ عَلَى مَا مَضَى مِنْ صَلَاتِهِ فَهَذَا مَحَلُّ الْإِشْكَالِ فِي هَذِي الْمَسْأَلَةِ This is where the issue arises. That if your wudu breaks, you break wind for example, then you go and you make a wudu. When you come back, do you carry on from where you left off? Or do you start from the beginning? فَالصَّحِيح أَنَّ مَنْ انْتَقَضَ وُضُوءُهُ وَانْصَرَفَ وَخَرَجَ مِنَ الصَّلَاءِ لَا يَبْنِي عَلَيْهَا وَإِنَّمَا يَبْدَأُ صَلَاةً جَدِيدًا The correct opinion on that is that if your wudu was to break during the prayer, for example, you break wind and you hear that or you smell that, so then you break your prayer, you leave it off and you go, you make your wudu and you come back. When you come back, you do not carry on from where you left off in the prayer. You start from the beginning. Start the prayer from the beginning again. That is the correct opinion. Because the part of the prayer that you had prayed before your wudu broke, that part of the prayer is now gone. It's finished. Why is it gone and finished? Because your wudu broke. Your wudu broke, so that beginning part of the prayer is gone now. That went because your wudu broke. So when you go now and you make your wudu again and you come back, you must start your prayer from the beginning with your fresh wudu now. That is the correct opinion. But in any case, the shaykh says this hadith is actually weak anyway. The hadith is actually weak anyway and it is not something that is used as an evidence. Also in the hadith it says, وَهُوَ فِي ذَلِكَ لَا يَتَكَلَّمْ that a person can only come back and continue his prayer if he hasn't spoken in that time. يدل على أن الكلام في الصلاة يبطلها إذا كان متعمدا وهذا لا خلاف فيه بأنه إذا كان متعمدا ولغير مصلحة ولغير مصلحة الصلاة فلا خلاف أنه يبطل الصلاة. If a person speaks in the prayer whilst he is praying and he speaks, he starts talking. If that speech and what he says is not in any way related to the prayer or for the benefit of the prayer, 
There is no necessity for that. It is not for the benefit of the prayer in any way. It is some idle speech or for no purpose. He speaks whilst he's praying. He starts talking to someone whilst he's praying without any cause, without any reason, without any connection to the prayer. Then there is no difference between the scholars that that person's prayer has become falsified. The person's prayer is finished. He's broken his prayer by talking in the middle of his prayer. كَأَنْ يَطْلُبُ الْمُصَلِّي مِنْ إِنْسَانٍ أَنْ يَفْتَحَ الْبَابِ أَوْ يَسْأَلُهُ أَنْ يُعْطِيَهُ غَرَضًا مُعَيَّنًا For example, the Shaykh mentions an example. If a person is praying and he asks somebody to open the door. Maybe you're praying and the room is hot. So somebody walks in and whilst you're praying, the room is really hot. So you say to the person walking in, leave the door open. And you're in your prayer. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, leave the door open. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. When somebody does something like that, speech which is not related to the prayer, not related to your uh, worship, some idle speech of that nature, then it breaks your prayer. Similarly, the Shaykh says, أَوْ يَسْأَلُهُ أَنْ يُعْطِيَهُ غَرَضًا مُعِيَّنًا A person is praying, and somebody else walks into the room, and the person praying says to that person, pass me such and such. Pass me this or pass me that. I left my bag in the corner of the room. Just go pass it me and put it here next to me. He makes some idle speech, some speech which is not of any necessity, of any use. Then this type of speech in the middle of your prayer, where there is no need for it whatsoever, then it breaks your prayer, it nullifies the prayer. If he does it on purpose, if he does that on purpose, because if a person does that purposely and it is not for the benefit of the prayer in any way, then in that case it breaks the prayer. If however somebody speaks accidentally, he forgets. Or jahilan, or because he is ignorant, he doesn't know that it's not allowed. Then the correct opinion is in that case it doesn't break his prayer. For example, he's praying and he forgets. Somebody walks in and he forgets and he says something. He's not concentrating or nothing and then he does that by accident. The scholars, they say that in that instance out of uh, forgetfulness or from ignorance, then the correct opinion, Shaykh says, that it doesn't break his prayer. Bidalil hadith Mu'awiyah ibn al-Hakam. Because of the hadith, the evidence from the hadith of Mu'awiyah ibn al-Hakam, الذي جاء والناس يسلون خلف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. That when he walked in and the people were praying behind the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. فسلم عليهم فلم يردوا عليه السلام. So he gave them salam when he walked in and they didn't reply the salam to him. فقد كانوا في أول الأمر يردون السلام. Because originally they used to reply the salam to somebody when they were praying. ثم نسخ هذا ولم يكن يعلم بعد. يَعْلَمْ بَعْدُ بِهِ مُعَاوِيَةً Then that ruling was abrogated. But Mu'awiyah didn't know about that. فَلَمْ يَرُدُّوا عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ وَرَمَوْهُ بِأَبْصَارِهِمْ So they didn't reply the salam to him. And instead they indicated to him with, his, with their eyes. يَعْنِي يُرِيدُونَ مِنْهُ السُّكُوتِ Meaning they wanted him to be quiet. So they, they, they pointed to him with, with their eyes. Like be quiet. Because he had come in now giving the salam and they didn't, he didn't know that the ruling was they're not going to reply in the prayer. So when he came and gave the salam, they were pointing with their eyes to him, be quiet. I to say to him, be quiet. 
to indicate to him to be quiet. فَقَالْ يَا وَيْهَا مَاذَا صَنَعْ ثُمَّ لَمَّا سَلَّمَ نِفْسَ سَلَّمْ دَعَاهُ وَقَالَ لَهُ إِنَّ هَذِي صَلَاةَ لَا يَشْرُحُ فِيهَا شَيْءٌ مِّنْ كَلَامِ الْآدِمِيِّينَ Then when the prayer it finished, the Prophet said to him that this prayer, it is not befitting to have any of the speech of the people within it. It is not befitting to basically speak and to talk during the prayer. That is the ruling and that is the hadith in Sahih Muslim. However, وَلَمْ يَأْمُرْهُ بِعَادَةِ الصَّلَاةِ هَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْكَلَامَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ إِذَا كَانَ بِسَبَبِ جَهْلٍ أَوْ نِسْيَانٍ أَنَّهُ لَا يُبْطِلُ الصَّلَاةِ This indicates therefore that if somebody speaks accidentally or out of ignorance, that it does not falsify the prayer of that person. إِنَّمَا الْكَلَامُ الْمُتَعَمَّدُ الَّذِي لِغَيْرِ مَصْلَحَةِ الصَّلَاةِ Rather, it is the speech which is purposely done by a person and it is not for the benefit of the prayer in any way. And that is the one that just, it would break the prayer of a person if he did it during the prayer. أما إذا كان الكلام لمصلحة الصلاة كأن ينبه الإمام أو ما أشبه ذلك فهذا لا يبطل الصلاة. If the speech that he says or the words that he speaks are for the benefit of the prayer, then it doesn't break the prayer. For example, he wants to alert the imam to an error, for example, in the prayer. He wants to alert the imam to something during the prayer. Then that would not break the prayer. بِدَلِيلْ أَنَّ الرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ سَهَا وَسَلَّمَ عَنْ نَقْسٍ وَقَامَ مِنْ مَكَانِهِ وَجَلَسَ فِي مَكَانٍ آخَرْ فَجَاءَ ذُو الْيَدَيْنِ فَقَالْ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَقَصُرَةِ الصَّلَاةُ أَمْ نَسِيتِ and there is an evidence when the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed and he forgot. And he prayed the prayer short, two raka'at, and two raka'at were forgotten. So Dhul Yadain, he came to him and he said to the Prophet ﷺ, has the prayer been shortened or did you forget? Has the prayer become shortened? Is that why you only prayed two or did you forget? قَالْ لَمْ تُقْصَرْ وَلَمْ أَنْسَى قال بلى ثم التفت الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم وقال أصدق ذو اليدين قالوا نعم يا رسول الله The Prophet said the prayer has not been shortened and I did not forget Then the Prophet he asked them Is it true what he said? Did I leave and did I forget some part of the prayer? So they said to him yes that you have forgot that this is correct what he has said فَقَاوَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَأَتَى بِرَكَعَةٍ وَسَجَدَ لِسَهُ and so the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he prayed the extra raka'ah so it was one raka'ah left rather it was one raka'ah so he prayed the remaining raka'ah and then he prayed the prostration of forgetfulness فَالرَّسُولُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَكَذَلِكَ صَحَابَةُ تَكَلَّمُوا وَالصَّلَاةُ لَمْ تَتِمُ بَعْدَ فَدَلَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى أَنَّ الْكَلَامَ إِذَا كَانَ لِمَصْلَحَةِ so here in between, the Prophet spoke and the companions were speaking. Yet after that, they got up and they completed the prayer. Indicating that the prayer hadn't been falsified by this speech. The prayer had not been falsified by this speech. They got up and they continued and they finished the prayer off. If it had been falsified, they would have had to start from the beginning again. So this speech was for the benefit of the prayer. They were talking about 
the actual prayer. Have we forgotten something? Have we not? It was for the purpose directly for the prayer. So that speech was directly linked to the prayer. For the benefit of the prayer. Not idle speech outside of the prayer. So it only breaks the prayer if it is for with two conditions. One, that it is done purposely, obviously, not forgetfully or out of ignorance. And also, if it is not linked to the prayer. If it is not linked to the prayer, some idle speech, then that also breaks the prayer of a person. Then the hadith of Jabir ibn Samura radiallahu anhu, أَنَّ رَجُلًا سَأَلَ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَتَوَضَّأُ مِنْ لُحُومِ الْغَنَمْ قَالْ إِنْ شِئْتَ قَالْ أَتَوَضَّأُ مِنْ لُحُومِ الْإِبْلِ قَالْ نَعْمْ A person said to the Prophet وسلم, Do I have to make wudu if I eat the meat of sheep? The Prophet وسلم, said if you want. Then he said do I have to make wudu if I eat the meat of camels? The Prophet وسلم, said yes. And the hadith is in Sahih Muslim. Hadith of Jabir ibn Samurah. So this hadith, alongside the hadith also, there's another one, the hadith of Al-Bara ibn Azib, radiyallahu anhu, that the Prophet ﷺ said, تَوَضَّأُوا مِن لُحُومِ الْإِبَلِ وَلَا تَوَضَّأُوا مِن لُحُومِ الْغَنَمِ There's another hadith also where the Prophet ﷺ said, make wudu from the meat of camels, but do not make wudu from the meat of sheep. In this hadith then, there are several issues. The first of them, أَنَّ أَكْلَ لَحْمِ الْغَنَمِ that eating the meat of sheep does not nullify the wudu of a person. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, لا من لحوم الغنم. Do not make wudu from the meat of sheep. وفي حديث جابر ibn Samura قال, and in the hadith of Jabir ibn Samura that we just mentioned, he said, if you want, it's up to you. Meaning it doesn't necessarily, it's not a necessity. It doesn't break your wudu, it doesn't nullify your wudu. It's up to you. لِأَنَّ مَنْ انْتَقَضَ وُضُوءُهُ وَجَبَ عَلِهِ الْوُضُوءُ لِلصَّلَاةِ وَلَا يُوَكِّلُ هَذَا إِلَى مَشِيئَتِهِ Because if the wudu had been broken, then the Prophet ﷺ would not have said to him, if you want. The Prophet ﷺ would have said to him, yes, you have to in that case. But he said to him, if you want. Therefore, it indicates that the meat of sheep, eating that type of meat, goat, sheep, etc., it doesn't break the wudu of a person. The second issue is the meat of camels. Here the Prophet ﷺ said that yes, you must make wudu if you have the meat of camels. And this is the opinion of Imam Ahmad and many of the muhaddithin. They took this opinion that the meat of camels is something that nullifies the wudu, it breaks the wudu of a person. Al-Imam Shafi'i said, if the hadith is authentic, then that is my opinion too. And the hadith indeed is authentic. Then the Shaykh says, لَكِنْ مَا الْحِكْمَةُ فِي كَوْنِ لُحُومِ الْإِبَلْ تَنْقُضُ الْوُضُوءِ إِذَا أَكَلَهَا الْإِنسَانِ What is the wisdom behind this issue? That if a person eats the meat of camels, it breaks his wudu. هَذَا مَحَلُّ بَحْثِ This is something that is... Open to research. This is something that the people have researched in. And the closest of the statements made by the researchers, by the scholars in this issue, as to what the wisdom is behind that. Why do you have to make wudu if you eat? 
the meat of camels. The closest thing that the scholars have mentioned is أَنَّ الْإِبْلْ فِيهَا طَبِيعَةَ الْغَلِضَةَ وَالشِّدَّةَ فِيهَا طَبِيعَةُ الْغِلْضَةَ وَالشِّدَّةَ وَبِهَاذَا فَإِنَّ لُحُومُهَا قَدْ يَكُونُ فِيهَا الشَّيْءٍ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْغِلْضَةَ وَالشِّدَّةَ They say that camels from their natural characteristics from the natural characteristics of camels is that they have harshness and severity in them. They have this harshness in, in them, in their natural uh, the behavior. In the natural behavior of camels, they have this, this harshness and this severity. It's mentioned that if you were to kill a camel, or you were to abuse a camel or beat a camel, then the camel would come after you and it would chase you up until it catches you and does some harm to you. To that level, they have this harshness and this severity in them. So the camels, from their natural characteristic, is this, this heaviness, this severity in them. So if a person eats the meat of camels, it is possible that from the meat of that camel, some of these characteristics, a person may find them in himself from the meat of that camel. والإنسان عندما يأكل لحوم الإبل ربما يتأثر من صفات الإبل. So when a person eats the meat of camels, maybe he may become affected by those characteristics too. لذا كان ينبغي له أن يستعمل مضادا لهذه الصفات. That's why it is befitting for him to use something which will oppose those characteristics. The characteristics of being fiery and hot and severe and harsh. Because this severity and harshness and this fieriness, it is from the shaitan. And the shaitan is from fire. And nothing extinguishes fire other than water. Water extinguishes the fire. Water puts out the fire of the shaitan. It puts out these characteristics of harshness and fieriness. Therefore, it has been legislated that a person who eats the meat of the camels, who have these characteristics of fieriness and Harshness and heavy heaviness, which are the characteristics of the shaitan from the fire, then to nullify that and to wipe that out, a person makes wudu and pours water over himself to wipe out that fieriness that may have been taken on board from eating the meat of camels. This is very similar to another issue, the issue of anger. When a person becomes angry, then it is legislated that he makes wudu. لِأَنَّ الْغَضَبَ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ Because anger is from the shaitan. And the shaitan is from fire. And fire is taken out. It is finished by water. So when a person feels angry, and anger is from the shaitan, who is from fire, therefore you should pour water over yourself, make wudu, and cool yourself down from that anger which has come from the shaitan. So this is perhaps the reasoning as to why wudu has been prescribed for the one who eats the meat of camels. لِمَا فِيهَا مِنَ الشِّدَّةِ وَالطَّيْشِ نَتِيجَةً لِطَبِيعَةِ الْإِبْلِ وَخِلْقَتِهَا بِخِلَافِ الْغَنَمْ فَإِنَّهَا عَلَيْهَا السَّكِينَةِ وَالْهُدُوء And this is in opposition to the sheep. Sheep and goats and those types of animals, they are calm and peaceful. Sheep, they are calm and peaceful. Compared to the camels who are severe and harsh. Therefore, the difference in having to make the wudu for the camels and not having to make it for 
the sheep. That's why the Sheikh says also you find a difference in the shepherds of sheep and the shepherds of camels. You find a difference in those types of people. The ones who are shepherds of sheep, they have calmness within them. They have serenity and tranquility within them because the animals, the sheep have that characteristic too. And as for the shepherds of the camels, then upon them is this harshness and hardness and severity because the animals they are dealing with, the camels have those same characteristics. وَلِهَذَا جَاءَ فِي الْحَدِيثَ أَنَّهُ مَنْ بَنَى أَنَّهُ مَنْ نعم أنهما من نبي إلا وراء الغنم. It's mentioned that there isn't any companion except uh, any prophet except that they used to look after the sheep. فموسى عليه السلام راع الغنم. موسى عليه السلام used to be looking after sheep. كما ورد في القرآن as it's mentioned in the Quran. ومحمد سلم كان يرعى الغنم قبل البعثة. And the Prophet Sallam also used to herd the sheep and look after the sheep like a shepherd uh, before the prophethood came to him. وَذَلِكَ لَمَا فِي الْغَنَمِ مِنَ الْهُدُوءِ وَالسَّكِينَةِ And that is because of the calmness and the tranquility you find in those animals. وَالْقَوْلُ بِالنَّقْضِ مِنْ أَكْلِ لُحُومِ الْإِبْلِ هُوَ قَوْلُ جُمْهُورِ الْمُحَدِّثِينَ So this opinion that the one who eats the meat of camels, it breaks a wudu, it is the opinion of many of the scholars of hadith, including Imam Ahmad. As for Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, then they take the opinion that the eating of the meat of camels does not nullify the wudu. وَيَرَوْنَ أَنَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مَنْسُوخِ And they actually take the opinion that this hadith about the camel meat is abrogated by the hadith which is in Abu Dawood and in Nasa'i كَانَ آخِرُ الْأَمْرَيْنِ مِنْهُ وسلم, تَرْكُ الْوُضُوءِ مِنْ مَا مَسَّةِ النَّارِ that the last of the affairs from the Prophet ﷺ was to not have to make wudu from that which touches the fire. فَقَالُوا هَذَا النَّاسِخْ هَذَا يَشْمَلُ لُحُومِ الْإِبَلْ وَغَيْرِهَا مِمَّ مَسَّةُ النَّارِ They say this includes the meat of camels and other than that from what has touched the fire. وَلَكِنَّ النَّسْخْ لَا يُصَارُ إِلَيْهَا إِلَيْهِ إِلَّا إِذَا تَعَذَّرَ الْجَمْعَ Sheikh Fawzan says though, abrogation should not be done. This is a principle. You don't go to try to abrogate a hadith if you can combine between them. If you can combine between the hadith, then that is what you do. Only if that is not possible to combine between the narrations, then you can start looking at abrogation. So here the Sheikh says, it is possible to combine between them anyway. Al-Muradu bi-tarki al-wudu mimma masatin nar ma'ada al-lhum al-ibl bi-dalil hadith jabir. Hadith al-Bara. They say that the hadith about the hadith that these scholars used to say that it abrogates the hadith of the meat of the camels, they say it doesn't abrogate it because we can say that the hadith of the camels is specific and the other one is general. So they say generally the affairs of the fire and that which has touched the fire, the one who is engaged in that, then it breaks the wudu. But with the camel meat, uh, it does not break the wudu, sorry. But with the camel meat it does, because we have a specific narration on that issue. So they said there is a combination between them, and the opinion therefore should be that it does break the wudu.
that the one who eats the meat of camels. The final issue in this hadith, قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم توضأوا من لحوم الإبل. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, make wudu from the meat of the camels. يشمل كل أجزاء البعير. الكبد والكرش والمصران والأمعاء واللحم والأحمر. The hadith on the Prophet said that make wudu from the meat of camels. This hadith includes every part of the camel. Whatever part of the camel you eat, whether it's the liver, the kidneys, the meat, whatever part of the camel you eat, then that is included within this hadith that if you eat any part of that camel, then you must make the wudu again. Just like in the ayah, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةُ وَالدَّمُ وَلَحْمُ الْخِنْزِيرِ that the meat of the pig has been made impermissible for you, meaning every part of the pig. So it is not permissible to eat or to engage in any part of the pig. All part of that pig is impermissible. So all parts of the camel are included in the hadith. وَذَهَبَ بَعْضَ الْعُلَمَاءِ لَأَنَّ اللَّحْمَ خَاصٍ بِاللَّحْمِ الْأَحْمَرِ فَيَخْرُجُ بِذَلِكَ اللَّحْمُ الرَّأْسُ الْكَبِدُ وَالْأَمْعَاءُ وَالْكَرْشِ some of the scholars though said that it is specific to the actual meat, the red meat, the meat that you take off the camel. As for the organs, the, the kidney, the liver, other types of things that you might eat from the camel, they say that's not included. Those body parts and organs, sometimes they are cooked and eaten. That is not included, they say. They say it's the actual meat, the chunks of meat that you eat from the camel. That's what you have to make the wudu from. And that is the opinion of some of the scholars. Because they say, the hadith says, make wudu from the meat of camels. They say these other body parts, like the head of a camel, for example, or the, uh, the uh, liver, the kidneys, other body organs that you might cook and eat, they say that isn't technically known as meat. Meat is actual meat. The chunks of meat that you take. They say that is what's known as lahm. These other organs aren't technically lahm, they say. So based upon that, they say that you don't have to make the wudu from those parts, but you do have to make it from the actual chunks of meat that you take from the camel. And that is one opinion of some of the scholars. But the Shaykh mentioned prior to that, that some of the scholars have mentioned that it is all of the camel because of the ayah wa lahm al-khinzir and the pig meat is impermissible, i.e. all of the pig, every part that's known. There's no exception. Nobody can say the kidneys and this and that is okay. So that's what's mentioned with regards to that. Uh, there's one more point that the Sheikh does mention. Um, based upon the second opinion, that these organs do not break the wudu, the Sheikh says, therefore, based upon that, the fat, the fat of a camel, when you slaughter a camel and you take the meat out, there are going to be sections where it's just fat. That fat, sometimes the people, they might use it in cooking or whatever else and somehow use that as a part of their preparation and eat it. Do you have to make wudu from that? Based upon this opinion, again, they would say, no, you don't have to make wudu from that section because the fat is obviously not meat. That fat isn't known as meat. If you were to cut out the fat, say to someone, what is this? Nobody would say to you that is meat. They would say to you, it is fat. It is the fat of the camel. So again, they say that is not something that you call meat. And therefore, it is outside of the hadith. So that is what some of the scholars have mentioned, that it is the actual chunks of meat that you have to make the wudu from, not these other parts, this fat and the kidneys and other types, or even the head, where there isn't actually meat. It's just other types of affairs. Uh, and that's what's mentioned about the camels. 
Next time, inshallah, when we carry on, we'll speak about the issue of washing a dead person. And if you have to make wudu for that. And also, the issue of touching the Qur'an. Do you have to have wudu or not? Those two issues, inshallah, will begin with next lesson. Inshallah. So we'll conclude there for now.